What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabron, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you been playing? Yeah, still uh, still on my uh, Steam Deck high. I, I, I've been playing just so many random things, uh, testing out my Steam Deck. Um, obviously, one of the big lures, you know, it's not really a hidden feature, is the, the ability for emulations and everything like that. So I've been running dif- different games and finding games that I don't even know existed uh, and, and being able to try some of these, I guess, gaps in my retro history. Um I'm playing a lot of, of those things, so I can't even run through some of those, <laughs> just because we'll be here for, for hours talking about some of those retros that I've done. But again, it's 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 a nice nice device. It's really where a lot of my play's been. Um, is on the Steam Deck. I'm trying just again more just different things. I, I tried out Witcher a little bit more, and they constantly keep updating the system and games so that they work better. Like uh, the big caveat I was talking about Persona 4 Golden, where like all the anime cutscenes don't have any noises. Um, which wasn't a big deal. Um, I don't know what they did. They somehow fixed it. Because um, <laughs> one day I just launched it and the opening cutscene used to not have music and it just started blaring into my headphones. <laughs> um, and it caught me off guard because I was like, for <laughs> weeks it didn't work. Um, so it's it's interesting to see them, how quickly they're really getting on top of these games that don't run in any way. Um, it's still, I think, the only game I found that does not run at all. Um, on there's surprisingly enough Halo Infinite, um, and it has to do something with the way it auto wants to launch the Easy Cheat, um, which is the anti-cheating software. So that game does not run on Steam Deck at all. Uh, whereas like Halo Master Chief Collection does run, um, at least the single-player stuff, uh, without an issue. So it's like a pick and choose. I'm just trying to feel out where things are. Um, I'm not playing one game specifically on there um, that like my main game or anything like that. So. Um, uh, but luckily, you know, we're in a sort of a dry spell here, so I've been actually going back in my backlog. I've uh, finally went back to Far Cry 6. Um, it's I know it's a game that uh, you really enjoyed. I really enjoyed yeah. last year, and then I just got sort of... We just got slammed with games, and I got distracted. So I finally went back to it. Um, I played a lot of the special events they, they did. Uh, they did the Stranger Things event. Uh, they did the uh, Danny Trejo uh, storyline. Uh, so I'm doing all these sort of bonus missions to get these cool little extra weapons. And I thought it was really funny. It, it really proves uh, how good this game can be when it, it can incorporate so many little weird things. Like the Stranger Things thing, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. They surprisingly do it really well. I think it's pretty cool the way they do it. You know, you're in and out. It's pretty quick. I was able to knock it out maybe two hours. It's not a huge event. Um, I'm glad it wasn't a timed event that I missed for whenever it was Halloween. Um, it's, it was just there. It was a marker on my map, and I think I can actually replay it. Um, not really a reason to replay it, but it is there. Um, so it's really exciting to go back to a game that I knew was should have been way higher on my list. I just didn't get the chance to really incorporate like a lot of my time to it um and it's just so really solid like i i still don't understand what was the whole uh sort of controversy with uh far cry 6 where oh it's very samey where and i don't think so i mean yes you shoot and go to different markers on the map uh, but that's like saying forza horizon 5 was samey as forza horizon 4 because you drive to certain areas so it's it's really great um so that's the game i've been mostly putting my time into um here at like home uh, compared to Steam Deck where I've been uh, trying everything. Um, I took I had taken a small break, like a week and a half break from Elden Ring um, because I got to the infamous Fire Giant uh, <laughs> um, boss battle and 
due to the fact that I'm playing it way, way past all the patches, I can, can't cheese them anymore. You can't trick them off the mountain. Um, so, unfortunately, I was stuck there for a while. I was finally able to get it uh, I, uh, get it done. I had to grind a couple things, get a, sp a couple different uh, abilities to finally take them out. So, I'm, I'm at that cusp, and I've done a little bit more after that. I've killed a couple more bosses. So, I'm sort of at that last moment where I can push for for at least to get to the final boss I, I haven't seen the final boss actually so i don't know what I, what's in waiting for me you know uh, you've taken a kind of a pause there at the final boss um i haven't reached that point yet and like but i kind of just need to wait for an afternoon where i'm not doing much and i can at least get to the final boss i don't know if i'll be able to beat the final boss um but at least get to the point where i'm i'm, I'm almost done with my elden ring journey um i'm not I don't see, I see the lore of replaying this game, I don't think I would do that just because of how much time it takes, um, and also I would probably do everything so similar, um, unless I was like trying to go complete maybe a mage build or something like that, um, I don't see what else I would get from this game replaying it, <laughs> just to default to my very strong uh, weapons and outputs that I have now, so again, uh, in this dry spell I've been just playing a lot of little things, so that's that's all I've, I've really been up to, um, what about you, what have you been playing? Yeah, so obviously I've received my Steam Deck as well, finally. Yes, um, yes, yes. And I'm going to pause that so I can get my other games out of the way so I don't forget them. Um, so before I got my Steam Deck, I was playing mostly two things. I, it's Yeah, it's a dry spell. And I've actually taken this to, I like pause this, and I've been mostly actually reading comics. So like I don't have a ton of games that I've been playing lately. But I have jumped into Truck to Yomi. Um, and I was going to pick that up on PlayStation, but it ended up coming to Game Pass, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, overall, I really, really like it. For you guys that don't know, it's basically a side-scrolling samurai game. Um, and you have these different encounters with enemies, sometimes more than one, that they kind of surround you. And it's very... Um, methodical and and more realistic so it's it's less so like a ghost of tsushima where you're slashing people multiple times to take them out and more so a situation where like if you do things right and parry correctly you can kill people in one slash typically um one to two slashes so it you you take pretty significant damage but you also deal pretty significant damage but the difficulty is not too crazy or anything like that there's not any significant platforming or anything like that it's more mm -hmm. so like navigational and you're collecting different things you're getting more powerful lots of different save points and uh a really really cool like kurosawa era like samurai film aesthetic with the film grain and everything it just looks like an old samurai movie um, and yeah, it's just, it's tremendous. I really, really like it. So if you're looking for something to play and you have an Xbox and Game Pass, definitely recommend this. You check this out. Give this a spin for 30 minutes or so. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Um, and then also I've been playing Kirby, just, you know, chunking along on that one. Uh, I'm, I'm still probably not, I'm probably on the third or the fourth world, something like that. I think I'm in like this ice place. So it's either the third or fourth world. Um, but yeah, overall, really good, really fun. Um, nothing mostly, you know, new to add uh, since the last time I played it, but it's still doing its thing. My Switch play is probably going to plummet <laughs> like now, um, just because it's going to be pretty much a Nintendo exclusive machine. And by Nintendo exclusive, I mean like Switch exclusive. Um, I won't go deeper into why I'm talking only about Switch exclusives, but let's just say the steam deck will f solve all of that for me <laughs> my need to go to nintendo for pretty much anything but the newest stuff um mm -hmm. but uh yeah so that's kind of the end of my switch journey for now in terms of 
Switch games until a, a, a new first-party game probably comes out because all the indies are definitely going to be on the Steam Deck. Uh, yeah, and finally, so I got my Steam Deck uh, early yesterday afternoon, and almost immediately I just kind of wanted to see everything I could do with it. I installed, I think, four games that I had on Steam. I actually bought three games before the Steam Deck actually came, so the moment it came, I can kind of just jump into it and download it. And... Um, I was like really I was having trouble like deciding like what do I want to play on this because I didn't have a ton of Steam games because again I don't have a PC um, and everything I had on Steam were either really old like stuff from like a while ago that I needed like Cuphead or um, yeah. or just like small odds and ends and, and different things nothing that I really care about now so I was like well what do I want to like really push this thing and a lot the unfortunate reality is a lot of the games that I would want to play on Steam Deck I've already played to like a big extent I've already played for it so I've already played um you know like horizon and god of war and all that i was like i want something that either i haven't played in a very long time or i haven't played at all so i ended up picking up sims 4 that's for my girlfriend um i ended up and i haven't tried it yet it's just on there for when she wants to play basically um i picked up with the witcher 3 uh to, to have something that's a little more powerful obviously that game is from 20 what 15 or something like that so it's still on the older side but it, it definitely pushes the hardware because that's still a really beautiful gorgeous game um and then lastly ollie ollie world because that fills the hole of something i really wanted to play but i just haven't gotten around to it so i was like yeah you know what? throw it throw it on there and, and give it a shot and i know it's not like a powerhouse game so there's no reason not to play it on a handheld basically i don't really need the ps5 or xbox series x power for ollie ollie world um, and so overall, I'm super positive about the Steam Deck. Very comfortable in hand. It's huge. It, but um, it's actually really surprising how like good in the hand it feels, as you were saying uh, last time when you got yours. Um, it's by far the largest handheld that I've ever owned. Um, and probably one of the bigger ones that have ever existed. Uh, and it's crazy how it's more comfortable in the hands than lots of consoles that existed once upon a time that are like a third the size of this because if you go back to like the game boy advanced the sp the psp the vita all beautifully designed piece of handhelds um they're especially once you get a little older and your hands get a little bigger a lot it just becomes a lot more uncomfortable um and so using this i actually found it super comfortable in hand didn't get too hot um and the games ran beautifully and for right now, I haven't been able to test any of the emulation so far, so I've only been really limited to um, games that are properly in Steam's OS. Uh, but I did try with everything, all the games that I did have, to try to break it to just see like if there's anything too demanding or anything that didn't work. Uh, and as of right now, everything, even the things that were marked as they don't know if it works or not, all everything worked um, so far. Uh, I even cranked Witcher up to ultra settings to see if that was too much for it. And no, it still runs. Um, it's not probably the way I'd run it. I'd probably drop the... If you're going to have the visuals maxed out like that and all the different effects, maybe crank down the, the frame rate a little bit, but just for a little bit more smoothness. But um, overall, no, it runs beautiful. Ali Ali World runs amazing, which also I should talk about. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, that is a side-scrolling platforming skate game. Um with the visuals of Adventure Time and an amazing soundtrack. Um, 
So that game is dope. So if anybody's like curious about that, I highly, highly recommend Ali Ali World. It's really fun. Good like supplementary game. Like maybe it's not the main thing you play, but something if you're looking to decompress. Uh, definitely that's like a really good game, and the soundtrack is just sick. So um, I, I definitely that's going to become my wind down game for sure at the end of the days. Um, and yeah, I played maybe an hour and a half of Witcher yesterday, and just replaying through the story, just handheld. It's just so good, like, and it runs so amazingly. Uh, Left 4 Dead, I also ran through and played um, a whole round of, ran without a problem. Obviously, that's a much older game, so you can max that out. You know, 60 FPS, max visuals, nothing's gonna happen. Like, it'll run fine. Um, and yeah, no, that game is still really good. I did want to, and I, I mostly chose that because I wanted to play kind of a FPS and see. Uh, how that feels um i did not i completely forgot that this has gyro controls um so that yeah. was weird but um so yeah i'm i'm probably not going to play a ton of fps's on the steam deck just because it's it's not really the form factor that i care to play them on but it does work completely fine uh, and then lastly yeah i threw on cuphead just to see you know how that runs and of course it runs beautifully uh played a couple boss battles still crushingly difficult and i was like all right that's enough of that like <laughs> i'm not trying to do that all night but yeah overall i'm very very positive about it um only cons i would say uh that battery holy crap that can get eaten through uh with the more demanding games um, and, and obviously, you know, this is a situation we encountered previously. Nintendo bumped into the same issue where it's like, okay, we need to make either a trade-off on power or battery life. And they obviously opted for a decent amount of power, but mostly the battery life, to prioritize that battery life. And it seems very much now that I have the Steam Deck in hand that Valve took the complete opposite approach. Which was like, no, we're going to max out what we can do on a power level in, with this machine. And with battery life, eh, figure it out, basically. Which I can appreciate that. I can appreciate somebody taking basically the opposite stance. And it's like, you know, yeah, the battery life is crap. But what you'll be able to do is way more flexible so you can make the battery life last a little bit longer if you'd like. Um, by cranking down the, the resolution, the, the frame rate, the brightness. There's lots of things you can do to kind of uh, change. And also depending on the game you play. Um, and, but no, I really do appreciate that they kind of went for that approach where it's like, let's take a handheld and just see how strong we can make it. Um, and this is a problem, you know, playing the Steam Deck, I am impressed in a way that I haven't probably felt in a really long time. The probably the long, last time I probably felt like this was probably the Vita, to be honest. The last time I kind of held a handheld in my hand, I was like, holy crap, like I'm super impressed by the power of this thing. Uh, I loved the Switch, excellently designed uh, piece of hardware. It was really cool playing Breath of the Wild on the go. Um, but the, the, its power wasn't really what impressed me so much as just Nintendo's intuitive d d design. Um, this one, uh, yeah, it, it's given me like strong, like early Vita era for me vibes where I'm just like holding some of my hands. It's like, I've never seen anything that runs like this before. Um, and, and even when, you know, like I, I got my PSP for the first time, it was like the same vibe. So it's really cool that, in, you know, 2022 with how far gaming has come, like they're still able to do this. And it's a pretty concretely, you could say that like this can hit like PS4 levels of performance, which is insane that a the, the discrepancy between what the main consoles are doing, and what the handhelds are able to do. I don't think I've ever been this slim before. There's always been a massive discrepancy, you know, between like let's say what the PS2 was doing, what the Game Boy Advance could do, or what the PS3 could do, and what the PSP can do, and what the Vita could do, uh, what the Switch can do, and what the PS5 can do. But now with the Steam Deck in there, it, what you're able to bring on the go and what you're experiencing at home are not 
overwhelmingly different experiences short of the ability of like that ssd that 4k like there are there are things that home consoles can do of course at the scene that can't but overall the fact that like you are sitting at home playing elden ring and i can be sitting at on my handheld device and playing the same game as you functionally the same you know this is not like a situation where this has been trimmed down like crazy no like i'm getting a consistent frame rate fighting the same bosses navigating the same world no crashes no nothing like that's insane that 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 it even exists um so yeah i gotta commend valve i'm really happy uh the case is also really awesome good one of them it's like really i'm surprising like surprised how quality it was because i figured you know they're gonna send us a case so it's probably gonna be not the best quality case in the world but no that thing is super sturdy um and yeah, so I was like super impressed with that as well. Uh, and, and also maybe this could be a con to somebody. I think it's worth talking about that fan too. Like, holy crap. Um, this thing gets loud, a lot louder than the, the Switch does. So I would say mm-hmm. to set your expectations, it's way it sounds way more similar to a laptop than it does a handheld device. Uh, so just take note of that for anybody who doesn't have a Steam Deck. Um, that it, It's going to be pretty loud. Uh, I play with headphones mostly, so it doesn't bother me at all. But if if you don't play with headphones, maybe uh, that bother you. However, I I think the speakers on the Steam Deck super impressive. Um, it doesn't sound like it's coming from any like one fixed speaker. It kind of has like this kind of a full front facing blast of just sound. Um, and so I'm really impressed with the audio quality as well. So yeah, overall liked liking. Um, what I've experienced so far, the load times haven't been crazy. I have the MVME, or, or I believe, or MVEE, or something like that. The lowest the first, skew. The lowest model. Right? Yeah, I had the lowest skew of a Switch Deck, um, or Switch Deck, Steam Deck. Um, <laughs> I had the lowest one, and I was a little apprehensive at first, because obviously the storage is not really a big deal, because I bought a micro SD, and so I bumped it up um in terms of storage but yeah it it, i was really concerned about the load times in my opinion i don't think they're that bad now obviously if you have the ssd it's gonna be a lot faster i'm sure i haven't experienced anything crazy but i haven't fired up a red dead or i haven't fired up a gta or or a, a cyberpunk so i don't actually know what like super recent games uh load like yet on um steam deck i'll report back on that once i actually start filling out my uh steam backlog a little bit um, but for right now, Witcher loads really fast. Ali Ali World loads really fast. Uh, so I haven't experienced any significant issues on that front. Um, the only issue I encountered with my Steam Deck was the first time I tried to launch into desktop mode, it like froze on me. Like it just like black screen for a while. And that like scared the crap out of me, but it hasn't done it since. So I don't know what that was about. Maybe it was just a really long load. I don't know. Um, but uh, that, that happened to me about... Overall, very positive. Definitely highly recommend to people. And uh, I, I, I would even say don't necessarily be afraid of getting that lowest SKU, that 64 gig. You can bump it up with a micro SD. And I don't think that the load times are so atrocious that, you know, that extra whatever 100 and some odd dollars is like going to be a massive thing that you regret. I think, yeah, you, $400 for, for this thing, I'm not mad at it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my feelings about the Steam Deck. Happy to have it and uh, excited to see what it does. And then, you know, starting tomorrow, I'll have my USB-C adapter so I can start, like, actually using this as, like, a computer to actually load up all my ROMs and stuff like that. Uh, that was the main thing is just, like, I could I literally was having trouble 
dra- like dragging them into the right folders. Like I just had too many files. Like I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to do this. Um, I felt like such a boomer. I was like, I don't know how to solve this right now. I was like, I need, I need a mouse and keyboard so I can kind of like control A and then like move everything over. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really positive about it. So yeah. Yeah, moving those files around, it can be tricky to, uh, like, I, I had a really, before I did any of that kind of stuff, I played with my Steam Deck for, like, a week, so I got used to using the touchscreen uh, to yeah. drag and drop things and using the two touchpads and what's what, you know, one right-clicks, one doesn't right-click, and all the little things, but that USB, you know, a hub will make it so much oh, easier. Oh, man, I never thought of the touchscreen. Oh, I literally didn't, I completely forgot this had a touchscreen. What the hell? Yeah, that's, that's how I, I did forgot a lot that. of my drag and drops, I would... Oh. Highlight all red and then just use my finger and drag and drop. Oh man, I, uh, you changed the game. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I completely yeah, forgot oh, about that. Before we jump to the stories, a quick comment because there's I can't believe I forgot about this. So yeah, obviously we're messing a lot with the Steam Deck. I have uh, bought. I just bought this past week or last week. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two was on sale on Steam. Oh, uh, for cool. Something of like thirty dollars. I don't know if it's still on sale. Um, so I I had to, and you know Steam has a nice return policy. So I was like, if this is just completely melts on my steam deck i just return it no problem yeah um and that game runs very well that's crazy you know um i it it will auto most games on steam will auto try to benchmark it it'll realize how much the steam deck could do and it'll want to scale to that um i always go in there and take you know some textures down and maybe some shadowing just to focus more about that uh frame rate and obviously battery life too because i I don't want to max it all out just so I can play Red Dead for 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. So uh, I've got it to where between all the settings and everything like that where I can get about like an hour and a half of uh, Red Dead on a very good quality. I, I would say I could go even lower if I really wanted to. Like if I was going on a flight or something and I want to yeah. drop it even more, it would be smart to. Um, but that game runs really well control-wise, actually. I was very, very surprised. And it's, you know, it's it's rough because Rockstar's games have a certain feel to them uh, where they're sort of sluggish in a way. Um, but it all, I don't know if it's just, it's been a while since I played Red Dead, so, you know, playing it all again, playing that beginning again just felt nice on, on that screen. It didn't feel like it was too wonky or sort of delayed. So I was really surprised on how well it works. The cutscenes are fine. Are, are again, cutscenes are really great. There was no slowdown with uh, voice acting. I think uh, I put the count. You know, luckily there's that counter. You can you can really get into depth with that overhead. But I usually just have my frame rate counter in the corner when I'm testing things out. Okay. Um, and it was always steady with between 58, 59, 60 frames. Oh, wow. Um, and you got your Steam Deck at a really good time where you can you can unlock the frame rates completely. Um, yes, which I have which been. <laughs> I, well, at launch, well, when I got mine, you could only go up to 60. Now there's that extra just free-for-all, and you let your Steam Deck go wild. Um, but, you know, I lock it at 60 because, you know, that's, to me, 60 is fine for most games. I don't see why I would need to go elsewhere. Um, the only other one, the other game that was also pretty impressive as well, and I had never bought it because it was on Game Pass, but now I, you know, I was felt fine purchasing it now. Um, actually, for, Forza Horizon 5. Okay, cool. That game also runs beautifully. Um, It actually looks way sharper. You know, this is a 720p screen, and um, um, luckily they have a benchmark mode as well where it'll auto benchmark it, and the game looks gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It looks almost, if not better, than when I was using uh, xCloud to play Forza Horizon on my phones. Um, So that one's another one that can also really, really 
recommend for people who are like, oh, you know, what's the big, real good game? I'm like, look, these are real games. Like, if this is the way you play Red Dead, you're not losing out on an experience. If this is the way you play Forza, you're not losing out. That's the thing. It's like, like you're saying, you're not getting an asterisk because, oh, I played the mobile version of this or the yeah. mobile version of that. You're playing that. You know, the sp- experience is the same. Like, I know someone who, that's how he's completely played Elden Ring, and uh, I don't that's know how, awesome. but <laughs> that's how he's done it. He's like, no, nah, I, I, I didn't have a PC. I didn't have, he wasn't a gamer, but, you know, Elden Ring was such a phenomenon. He's like, well, I did get a Steam Deck, and because he's a he's a huge handheld guy as well. He's like, so I, he goes, that's how I've played it, and I think he's beaten it. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so that's really cool that he's able to just get in when he needs to. And most things come to Steam. Right? There's a few caveats this some games is unfortunately the epic game yeah. integration is not that smooth yet but we'll have to really uh, which i feel like it's gonna get there it's such a big part of the pc ecosystem you'd imagine they're gonna figure out something a little more elegant yeah yeah because i yeah i have it hooked up right now uh where i can play some of my epic games um i understand they're a competitor or whatever but uh it, it, it is a little wonk like certain games will just not run um i can play my batman arkham games through epic through my steam deck uh, but like the Kingdom Hearts games do not run. Uh, there was a couple other games that I tried running through my Epic through Steam, and it just doesn't work. So we'll have to see uh, how they approach that later on. Yeah, and the one game I've wanted to try really bad on Steam Deck, which was the first game I was going to get, I've been uh, straight up forbidden from getting again, which is uh, GTA V. As you guys know, big fan of GTA 5. Imagine living with me and how much you see GTA 5. And so I've been forbidden from buying it again on, like, my millionth console. And, and she was like, can you, like, play other things for a second before you buy GTA 5 again? Which is valid. I hear it runs really good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I hear it runs I, run, I hear it runs really solid. You know, I literally pulled it up PS5. on my phone. I literally pulled it up on my phone. I was like, look, it runs. I can play this on the go now. This is yeah. legendary. And it was just like, no, not yet. So one day I will get GTA Five, But uh, I guess I maybe can't justify spending, what, 30-plus dollars on a game that I think I've it would bought. be like $30 again right Yeah, now. I can't. Um, like, I should. Well, it's not that I can't. I really shouldn't buy that again. Because I'm not going to really even be bringing my save over, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, I saw it, and again, <laughs> we, we love in our Steam Deck. I think, and I and it's a half. I think GTA. 4, I know you just did a replay. GTA yeah. Four, the complete edition. I think it's like six dollars on Steam. So maybe. Okay. All right, you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, saw, I was. I checked out the sales all the time, and I'm pretty sure it's like six dollars for the complete edition on Steam. And I'm sure that runs on Steam. Like I can't guarantee it. But all right, yeah, I, I just wrote that down. I'm checking that out after we're done here. I'm almost pretty certain. That if it's six GTA bucks, 4, I'm buying it now. I'm pretty sure GTA 4 Complete Edition was like six dollars because even I was like, hey, oh, I gotta. Huh, Come on, I'm it's GTA 4. It. It's so good. Lost in the Damned. Come yeah, on. I'm Battle Gate sure Tony. You know, actually, you know what? For quick copy, we'll do this in live. I'll. Yeah, I pick that. Steam up. open right here. Let's, yeah, let's let me know up. what that price looks like. Okay, so GTA 5, yeah, thirty dollars. Grand Theft Auto 4, the Complete Edition, five ninety nine. Come on, yeah, I'm getting that. No doubt. Yep. Because it's called GTA 4 and Episodes from Liberty City. And that's the so, two DLCs, I'm assuming. And that's, uh, I mean, the picture, the picture, the icon shows the the Lost in the Dam, and then it shows the main GTA 4 cover, and then it shows Ballad of Gay Tony. So, okay, cool. Perfect. So, so there you go. There, there's, there's something for you this afternoon. <laughs> uh, that's my loophole. I'm going to be like, I did there not buy go. GTA 5. 
And she's like, nah, yeah, st- Steve told me to buy GTA 4 instead. Yeah, we bypassed. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have more thoughts on the Steam Deck. Um, it, it's because obviously every day it's finding new things out with that. So, we're now that we both have it, too, we're going to be bouncing different ideas off each other. So, I'm excited for that. So, uh, we can get into the story stuff, see what we've what's been going on for a little while. Uh, we skipped a week. Um, I think we chose a good week, though. Not too much happened. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, story one coming from Andy Robinson over at Video Games Chronicles. Uh, Nintendo next-gen transition. So, Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa uh, has said that the company's eventual transition away from the Nintendo Switch to its next hardware platform is a major focus for the company. Speaking during a Japanese investor QA this week, translated by VGC contributor Robert Safazan, uh uh, Furukawa said that the company planned to alleviate the risk of resetting its 100 million plus user base by building a long-term relationship with its users partly via Nintendo accounts and by using its IP outside of gaming. He said, uh, quote, on the other hand, looking back at the past experience of generational change such as the change from Wii and Nintendo DS eras, we recognize that one of our tasks is ensuring the transition to future generations of hardware is as smooth as possible. To that end, we are focusing on building long-term relationships with our customers through Nintendo accounts. While continuing to release the new Nintendo Switch software for consumers to enjoy, we aim to maintain relationships across the hardware generations through services that utilize Nintendo accounts and be, and by providing opportunities for them to experience RIP through other non-gaming channels. Uh, Furukawa previously appeared to hint that some of the backwards compatibility could be utilized for its next game console in order to maintain and expand Switch's audience of 100 million plus users. Speaking to investors in February, the president said of Nintendo's next generation console plans, quote, there are currently nearly 100 million annual playing users and going forward it is important to consider how we can maintain and expand on that number. This will be essential when we consider our plan for the next hardware platform unquote so it's a i think it's actually a little due pastime that nintendo starts talking about their next step um i know a lot of this sounds good where they're talking about their account systems and all backwards compatibility um it is a little nerve-wracking because nintendo has not done really well with this uh think about how many wii's are out there with every single virtual console game on there and you could do nothing with it um except keep your wii around um, and it starts to make me wonder a little bit uh, now buying most of my Switch games digitally just because sometimes they're just hard to track for some reason or Amazon just won't deliver. Buy them digitally and they may be stuck on that Switch console. I think my gut feeling is I do think there will be eventually a Switch Pro or whatever. The, room, the infamous thing we talk about here every year since we've started this. Um, I think... The way they're speaking about it sounds like they want to do more of what Xbox has done, where though they've transitioned to their next-gen, now it is now current-gen, they don't want these giant generational gaps. I think that would be the perfect way for Nintendo to continue on. I don't believe that's what they're going to do. I, I think, uh, just <laughs> just knowing Nintendo, I think there's always a caveat, there's always a fine print, there's always something that just does not work um, despite what they say they want to do. Um, but it's glad I'm glad that they're talking about this now. Uh, they're not talking about this sort of after they've announced their next system or their next iteration, um, especially when they talk about how they want to expand the current you know player base. Uh, Switches are doing fantastic. I know they slowed down a little bit, um, but it's because I, I believe it's because their software has also slowed down. Um, we haven't gotten anything major, major in a long time, and things have all been pushed. 
Um, but it is interesting that they're at least hoping, and we hope as well, that they're gonna get get a sort of system working here that those people who've gone completely digital on Switch aren't screwed over when the next whatever Switch 2, Switch Pro, whatever their next generation is, new Nintendo Switch, whatever it is that comes out. Hopefully not everything's at a loss, but it's one of those things. Until I see it in action, I don't believe it. But uh, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting. And hearing this from Nintendo, like, I'm glad they're starting the conversation around it and they're kind of open about that. But at the same time, like, I'm, I'm sure they're scared to death because uh, the Switch has been incredibly successful. But, I mean, so is the Wii. You know what I mean? Like, yep. we and, and so was the Super Nintendo. And then, like, transitions have never been their strong suit ever. Um, you know, they, they've they've fumbled it before um and so just because your current gen console is incredibly successful does not guarantee the success of the follow-up um you got to give people reason to jump ship um and you know in many ways you know how do you transition that's kind of the question that maybe nintendo is asking how do you elegantly do that and i feel like um we're seeing that transition happening in real time right now between playstation and xbox and i feel like in many ways the answer lies somewhere in the middle of them where at the same time i think there is a beauty in having that upgrade when you want method uh that xbox has happened where they made it as easy as possible to upgrade which is if you can if you want to get the hardware that's awesome you can do that you can get these prime experience of all these games but there's no timeline on it like you're if, if you right now if you have an xbox one there's very little that i can play on the series x that you also don't have the ability to play I, I, almost i would say like 99 percent of the experience on series x is generally be generally able to be replicated on the the xbox one x um or, or the xbox one s um so it's very much kind of an open-ended thing like do it when you want there's a united ecosystem you do not lose your library your library comes with you and so i think in many ways nintendo should be paying attention to that which is that they're making this process easy for the consumer which is like listen um you don't lose almost anything all you do is gain you gain the ability to play these better but you do not lose your library it's effectively a very similar experience so you can go backwards forward current gen last gen whatever it's a united ecosystem and i think that's a beautiful thing that they could learn from xbox but at the same time you you can't um ignore playstation in this as well because there's something to also be said that the, one of the best ways to get people to adapt is to have those transformative experiences on the next gen. Like you could not do that there, and you need to come here to do that. Um, and so I think Nintendo also needs to start looking at that. Where um, you know the the Switch was an incredible thing because it had these unique experiences, but that was the problem I think between the Wii and the Wii U. Other than the fact that it was marketed horribly and nobody knew what the Wii U even was. Um, when you were looking at the Wii U, at least for those first couple years, um, what was happening in the Wii U ecosystem that couldn't have happened on the Wii? Yes, it's a little higher resolution, but we weren't... And again, the games were phenomenal on the Wii U. The Wii U had lots of great games. Um, but there was nothing there that you could say you could point to and be like, okay, you need to be on this console to get that experience. Um, and in many ways, like Xbox is having that problem right now. Um, and so I think... The the answer to Nintendo's issues lies somewhere in between Xbox's experience and um, PlayStation's experience, where 
you need to ensure that the player does not feel like they're taking an L by upgrading where I'm losing everything beforehand. So a United ecosystem, but at the same time, those transformative experiences. So with Nintendo's next-gen transition, I feel like they should transition, at first off, at the point where they feel like they can do something uh, that cannot be done on Switch, first off. That's the first part. Um, If they don't have that, I think transitioning for transition's sake is an issue because then you'll end up with a Series X, which I feel like in many ways is a transition for a transition's sake because yeah. Microsoft didn't have much uh, for this new console whatsoever. Um, and, and Halo Infinite's awesome, Forza's awesome, uh, but could I say would I say those are like definitive next gen experiences? Not really. Like I mean, there's people playing it on last gen just fine on their hardware, um, and so Nintendo shouldn't transition a moment sooner than they actually have the software to support that and then on top of that the ecosystem that they created right now it does not have to be in the next gen console but it needs to speak to the next gen console in some degree so what i bought those profiles those need to be migrated over um the age of kind of like okay you bought that on 3ds you bought that on wii and that kind of stays there that's long past um, and in many ways, they're already way behind the curve with the way that they treat digital content. Um, and I think, you know, in this in, in 2022, the age of like, well, if you want to play that, go back to the old console where you bought that uh, is a bygone era. And it kind of in the realm of it, an unacceptability, in my opinion. So um, that they have a lot to, to look at and to consider. And I'm glad that they're starting these conversations now because in many ways, when we got the Switch, as great as the Switch was, the online ecosystem felt like an afterthought, just like it's always felt between them. So I can appreciate them talking about that before this time, which means that they have at least the intent to make it work next time. Now, how it looks and how it works out, who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. But at least they're looking at elegant ways to ensure that... um, Everything is not lost with this next transition. And I guess the biggest question is, you know, like what what form does their next piece of hardware take? What is the gimmick? You know, what is what is what are they going to do that the the switch has the inability to actually do or perform um, that requires that upgrade? And if they can't answer that question, then maybe it's not time to upgrade, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. No, re- very well said. It's it's. I think it's almost something that we've been worrying about since the Switch launched. Um, just the way they were doing their accounts, and even now signing into a Switch is a little confusing because there was that time they did that Nintendo ID, then they did the Nintendo Switch profiling. Yeah. Um, so it's always been like this weird mixed bag with your Nintendo accounts, Nintendo ID, what was what, what could be brought over from Wii U, what couldn't be brought from Wii U. So it's always been this unfortunate. Uh, headache and i think for most of us they just say screw it we'll just repay um to move on and uh, i don't think that works anymore especially when the other consoles have done it and other companies have done it uh so seamlessly uh especially now that uh, not to keep bringing it up the way steam does things now you know i could do everything that i had on my steam library the second i got the new steam console it was there available and mostly playable so it's something that they have to find a workaround, um, whether they want to or not. 
Yeah, and I, I think one thing they do have uh, the benefit of is the fact that when you make those profiles and you make those purchases, it does usually connect to that kind of, I, I don't know the exact name of the site, but it's that My Nintendo account. Like you can buy things yeah. on a browser and everything's stored there, it stores your points and everything like that. So thankfully it seems like the profile is not kind of inherently tied to your Switch. It exists outside yeah. of that. So it shouldn't be a massive pull um, to have that easily accessible Um to a future console and also i feel like they have the added benefit of backwards compatibility in the way that um we know effectively many switch games are essentially wii u games as well and backwards and forwards you know what i mean like breath of wild were was on both consoles and effectively the same game on both consoles and so and you know with the ability of motion control so bringing that forward again shouldn't be a massive lift they've already shown that they don't have the cell architecture nonsense that playstation has painted themselves into a corner with um so it shouldn't be you know much of the why you know why can't we play n64 games in mass why can't we play gamecubes in mass or Game Boy advance games it's literally just a nintendo willingness thing it's not a tech issue it's never been a tech issue, you know, um, even going back. And, and the last time I feel like there's maybe you can make an argument there was a tech issue is there was something weird I remember about the 3DS um, and, and uh, Game Boy Advance games. I remember that being a thing, which is why, like, only the ambassadors had it because they they were, like, designed fundamentally different, those games, uh, to actually work on, on 3DS hardware. I don't, I you can tell me I'm not a t- Nintendo engineer, um, but other than that, the, and, and through many collections they've shown Switch doesn't have that problem um, they shouldn't have any problems kind of bringing all that backwards compatibility and we actually have a, a story coming up in the future about game preservation uh, and so there's even more use cases outside of just kind of hey I don't want to lose my library of why they need to get this all sorted out uh, more elegantly and so hopefully with their more um, precise approach to transitioning this time and being more uh, thoughtful about it um, also that goes in hand with maybe their uh, switch online system which maybe we don't bump into a virtual console situation anymore where it's like a lot of those that ecosystem couldn't be brought over because of licensing issues and all, lots all different working parts well maybe because they've been more deliberate with uh, their online system this point onwards that's something that can exist in perpetuity uh, that won't bump into so many licensing issues going forward that's my hope um, we'll, we'll see ultimately but I I think I, I think the the big takeaway of this story is the fact that at least they're talking about it, which is worlds beyond where we saw them previously, where like even in the middle of the like, you know, a, a console has launched. Hey, what's your answer to this? And they don't even have an answer after the, the freaking console has launched. So at least beforehand now they're just like, hey, we're I mean, hey, we're looking at uh, looking into it. And I'm sure one of their answers to something is probably going to be something stupid i already know it's nintendo like they're gonna they're gonna do something weird in this process but at least they're looking at it yeah no very true very true all right so i guess we can move on to the second story uh and this was kind of a big one that people were talking about there's always been a lot of kind of like square enix acquisition um stories you know who's gonna buy them who's not gonna buy them are they gonna sell are they not gonna sell uh so this is a story by adam bankhurst and this is also this is all about um square enix selling idos uh crystal dynamics and square enix montreal to the embracer group so the embracer group has entered into agreement to acquire crystal dynamics idos montreal and square enix uh, montreal and a catalog of ips including tame tomb raider 
Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Kane, and more than 50 back catalog games from Square Enix Holdings for $300 million, uh, which sounds really low to me uh, for what they're getting out of that. Um, Embracer shared the news in a press release saying that this acquisition includes roughly 1,100 employees in three studios across eight global locations. This deal, if it goes through, is expected to close during Q2 of Embracer's financial year uh, 2022-2023. Embracer is the best-kept secret in gaming, a massive decentralized collection of entrepreneurs who we are uh, thrilled to become a part of today. Um, If It is the perfect fit for our ambitions. Make high-quality games with great people sustainably uh, and grow our existing franchises to their best versions ever. Embracer allows us to forge new uh, partnerships across all media to maximize our franchise's potential and live our dreams of making extraordinary entertainment, says Phil Rogers, Square Enix America and Europe CEO. Once this deal goes through, Embracer will have more than 14,000 employees, 10,000 game developers, and 124 internal studios. It also um, also confirmed it has more than 230 games uh, in development at those studios, and more than 30 are uh, AAA titles. So if you thought the THQ Nordic thing was crazy, uh, you guys are sleeping on uh, Embracer. So this is an interesting story. So I, I mean, I, I could get it out of the way. Everybody knows at this point, <clears throat> I'm not a fan really of acquisitions in general, just because I I don't buy really into the great con- you know consolidation expansion thing it's it's a weird thing and i just i'd rather not have so many things in so few people's hands but again that's my own personal opinion on it i know a lot of people feel differently about that uh and then you know lots of people have different arguments about why this might actually be beneficial um and then you know the three hundred thousand dollars uh three hundred million dollars i think i think the most interesting thing about this is the fact that if you um had been paying attention to some of the Square Enix releases, there was actually some interesting information about uh, them talking about certain teams underperforming, uh, specifically like American teams and stuff like that. Uh, And then for this to kind of come after, it seems like in many ways, and I might be reading between the lines a little bit too much here, is that Square Enix is probably kind of offloading some of their international stuff that they feel like hasn't been promoting or performing that well. Uh, specifically, like, you know, like the Tomb Raider franchise, you know, they've tried really hard. Maybe it hasn't given them the results they wanted. Uh, and so they're kind of offloading the teams that are maybe not doing um, what they want them to do. And they're probably going to maybe double focused on uh, are the RPGs because we're a little bit in of a RPG renaissance right now, uh, especially with the kind of Final Fantasy exclusive thing, you know, Seven Remake being so successful, Octopath Traveler, Triangle Strategy. This is kind of uh, with Forsaken coming and all that. These are like, uh, it's kind of like a little bit of a renaissance of some of the RPGs that they put out. Um, So in many ways, this feels like an offload to me. Uh, where they're like, you know what, let's just get rid of all the teams that we're not going to really put a lot of use out of and are not really yielding the returns out of. And I'm just surprised they were able to get, I mean... Crystal Dynamics is a very active studio. So is Idos yeah. Montreal and, and Square Enix Montreal. Um, and they got them for 300 mil. Is I mean, that's crazy to me. Just because I feel like they'll they'll make their money back on that pretty fast, in my opinion. Uh, I, I'm not a finance expert or anything like that. But uh, what are your thoughts on this? No, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, very strange. And um, once you started reading some of the deal and everything and seeing all the new art- uh, news articles that we've been talking about uh, how Avengers uh, underperformed in their opinion. How yeah, uh, Guardians. Um, the, the, the whole I'm surprised Guardians did, man. Yeah, you know uh, the whole mess that is. Uh, well, they weren't sold. This was a partnership with Babylon's Fall. Uh, yeah, even though that was that was a mess. <laughs> I believe that's Platinum that did that yeah, game. Yeah, they did. Uh, but Square Enix was the backer for that. So 
it, it, I had the same idea. I said they are. I think instead of going to a big company, uh, what everyone's been saying, you know, Sony buy Square or whatever it is, um, I think offloading some of that stuff kind of makes sense in a way. Um, I I don't know if I would have just done it all in one shot to Embracer or if you wanted. Uh, I don't know if there was some sort of back um, off the grid sort of um, auction or oh, I don't know how these things exactly come apart, but it, it these are some big studios, you know, Crystal Dynamics, you know, though. You know that was you know Avengers was such a big issue. They had, they did a solid. Uh, well, they only did I believe the two first Tomb Raider reboot games, and we knew a new one was being in development, and that's not gonna stop. Uh, I lost Montreal. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy. I actually really enjoyed that game. I knew yeah, me too. it had. You know, I I'm aware of its issues and stuff, but I even think I I, I look back at it now. I definitely made a mistake saying that was my game of the of, of last year. But, <laughs> Um, it's just I was so high off that game. I was just so sh- taken by that game. I think. Yeah. Um, I definitely was in a in a different headspace. Um, but it was a really good game that I really enjoyed and didn't regret buying and playing. So it, it is interesting. Um, again, I'm also not a huge uh, fan of all these acquisitions going everywhere, and it makes me a little bit nervous um, that Square maybe. I don't know. I I part of me just doesn't see a world where Square is bought. I do see them doing more contracts. Um, you know, everything is being very exclusive to PlayStation, um, down to consoles. You know, the, the Final Fantasy VII DLC uh, never even came to PS4 yet. Uh, you know, it's only available on the PS5 version, and I think on the PC version, um, which is only on the Epic Game Store, unfortunately, still. Um, so it's, I don't know if it'll come to Steam at all. Um, uh, which which sucks because we got our Steam decks, <laughs> but yeah. it's it's a it's a big big uh, issue. Um, I'm excited for the fact that Embracer is not only did they get the team, they got a lot of IP. You know, the Tomb Raider IP, the Deus Ex, uh, which I'm a huge huge fan of. Um, and I think uh, Square did drop the ball on the way they did the last Deus because they kind of rebooted it, um, and we only got the sequel to the Deus Ex. Um, game we didn't ever got the third one in that trilogy they wanted to do um, due to not the game underperform underperformed but because of the way Square handled it you know uh, Legacy of Kane is something that I've been going I've always said that Crystal Dynamics needs to make a Legacy of Kane game um, when you go look at those original the first two re- uh, Tomb Raider reboots um, you could definitely see how a Legacy of Kane game could work so and I'm more excited to see what these other uh, I think they say like more than fifty back catalog games uh, they own now. I I look in some of this stuff and though there's not a hundred percent of like what it is, but it's like some stuff is random. Some is like Gex, uh, the Gecko, and 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 uh, all these other random games that are just own, you know they own the IP to it. I I don't know exactly what would come from it. Um, you know it this could have been it could be it's it's a mixed bag right where it's like this feels like this is a deal that works. It's fine. You know, the employees, at least a lot of employees are still have jobs and, if anything, are continuing to make games. Um, it, you know, it could have been worse because it, it wasn't Tencent. It wasn't, uh, you know, any of the weird other companies that are in, in hiding. But it's just at the same time, it's also a shame uh, where I think Square Enix thinks they need to do what they do best um, and are afraid to take chances. I just think that this miscommunication with their western uh studios there was some sort of mishandling there uh you think an avengers game should have been great and i think if that game would have came out 
like they like they planned and like it's uh, it's no it's basic knowledge now that that game was supposed to launch between the two biggest MCU movies um it would have done way 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 better um but the game itself isn't that great uh so that's no. where the, the issue is uh so it's like they feel like they don't know what they're doing with their western studios and i guess that's why they think they're like we'll focus on what we have to do which is our final fantasies it's our our dragon quest and and all our our hard hitters and it, and it's a little sad because it's like i i don't want them to be afraid to take chances uh because things can really well i i haven't played that newest thief game but people seem to really like it i, I don't remember it so it is unfortunate that I just don't want things to get stale. I don't only want them to do Final Fantasy. I don't want them only to do more and more Dragon Quest. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping if maybe scaling down lets them see what they want to make and do it properly, uh, whether it's a new IP or whatever it handles. So it is an interesting sort of wait-and-see kind of game on how this all goes through, if the deal goes through. And I assume the deal is going to go through. I don't see anything outstanding that they would pause the deal. Yeah, for sure. On Witcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to see what goes on from that. I, I don't know. Some of these companies have done some really good games and, and stuff, so we'll have to keep an ear out to the to the ground, see what, uh, you know, it'll be years before they come out and announce. Crystal Dynamics is busy. I know they they said their they're, uh, Xbox, uh, oh, they're doing Perfect Dark. That's what it is. They're co-developing Perfect Dark with the, the Quadruple A studio over there at Xbox, so that's <laughs> still in... In, in development, so we'll have to see what comes from it, but yeah. until then, we'll have to just wait and see. Um, so, uh, the next story, which was uh, a story I was losing my mind about, I thought this was super interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, unfortunate for everyone involved, but uh, so yeah, uh, Yuji Naka tells all, uh, <laughs> are coming from uh, IGN Jack Richardson. Um, some Bayland uh, uh, Wonderworld uh, drama. Uh, so, veteran developer Yuji Naka hit out at its former publisher Square Enix after a court case over his removal as director of Balan, uh, Balan Wonderworld concluded. Uh, Naka is best known for his work uh, on Sonic the Hedgehog, Fantasy Star, Nights into Dreams. Um, in a series of tweets, Naka said that Square Enix is no good and that neither they nor co-developer Arsist are companies that care about games or fans. Naka had served as the director of Balan for as much of its development, but was removed from the post um, about six months before the game was released. He resigned from Square Enix shortly after... Uh, Bellan was released and filed a lawsuit across the company. He also floated the idea of retiring from games industry for good, uh, which we talked about uh, a few episodes back. Um, in this thread, Naka cited two reasons for his last-minute dismissal. First, he, he first was he voiced concerns about the promotional work with a YouTuber who was to perform and release sheet music for a piano arrangement of the game's music. I thought it was strange that we would only release an arrangement of the game's music and furthermore, use a ghostwriter to produce that arrangement, uh, quote, wrote Naka. I got in trouble for arguing that we released the original score. Naka also cited tensions between himself and the artists surrounding his comments that the game was submitted in an unfinished state uh, with known issues left unfixed. I believe that games should be made by working hard until the very end until it's a good game that the team thinks their fans enjoy when they buy it, he wrote. Um, read from a translation on a thread below on Twitter. Uh, Square Enix confirmed that Naka had a lawsuit case with the company but wouldn't give any further details about it. However, according to Bloomberg's uh, Takashi Mochizuki, Square Enix also commented on Wonder Wonderworld itself saying, it is a game that we recommend with confidence. Um, so yeah, we've always been talking about how when uh, Wonder Wonderworld, when the demo came out, you and I were 
hated it. Uh, I remember going back further that we saw the trailer and we were both like, oh, kind of looks like a cutesy, fun platformer. Um, then we got our hands on the demo, <laughs> which was a godsend because that quickly showed us that the game was trash. Uh, you know, reverse draw distance, uh, everything connect, all the buttons do one action, um, a game with only one action. Um, and we knew there was a story there, right? Because it was those really awkward musical sections and then these super, super high quality cutscenes. Um, we knew something was um, a must. Uh, and the story isn't completely out, but we now know that Yuji Naka was actually, according to his word, against most of this stuff. Um, when you start looking at uh, the companies involved and who was making this, I mean, these are companies that were used to making assets and making different uh, small supports, and you were giving them full control to make a game that they were uh, not able to make. This was a, a big thing for Yuji Naka to sort of launch a new IP and from everything we looked we saw it and we saw the inspirations from Knights and everything like that and we almost thought that it was going to be some sort of spiritual successor to Knights. I mean it wasn't it was trash the game sucks uh, but then for Square Enix to be so company oriented and come out and say that it's a game that we recommend with confidence I mean this game runs for like $10 I see stacks and stacks of it at Walmart, Target uh, nobody buys this game uh seriously it's a joke i bought it as a joke i have it on i believe xbox i got it for like ten dollars um i don't know why i, I just did. i just did never played it still sealed uh, no, i don't think i'm gonna play it uh that demo was more than enough for me um but what do you think of this it's it's some drama and i i really hope we get the full sort of no, it's not documentary but full reveal of what happened um with this game completely um, especially that behind the door scenes because this was, you know, I remember when this was announced and Yuji Naka came out like in a suit and a hat. He looked like Willy Wonka, had that whole little interview. So this is something that at some point he was pretty passionate about. Yeah, I mean, it, it is crazy to hear him speak so candidly about it, uh, knowing that you know, there's like the lawsuit and everything. I'm like, I hope you should be talking like this. but um, And it's really interesting to hear it. Yeah, I mean, th- that game was awful. So like, I don't, I don't know... I feel like a lot of things probably went wrong, and I don't know if there's a situation where, you know, like, if Naka was on good terms with them and stood all the way through, like, would it have been this transformative, amazing game? Probably not. Um, it was probably always going to be pretty not great, but, yeah, it certainly exacerbated the issue, all the issues um, that he reported. And I'm just, I'm, I was mostly glad to just hear him speak his truth and hear about that because it was a weird thing. Um, but a, a lot of us kind of just chalked it up to a game. It's not, he's wasn't the first one to be in a situation as a veteran developer to kind of come back and make a game that's not necessarily a spiritual successor to something you did previously but certainly like in lines the return of a great and it just be atrocious like like obviously we we immediately drew that connection between that and like a mighty number nine for example um and and in many ways i mean you could say things went wrong but mighty number nine was definitely his you know onuma's ish uh like vision i like it it didn't work out great but i don't i don't think that was a massive departure from what he was actually trying to do um so it's not impossible for like a developer to like want to make something it go relatively smoothly and still turn out to be trash um and then so in many ways i i just chalked it up to i mean like hey maybe just he he missed on this one um but no it, it is kind of interesting to hear that like you know there was a lot more at work and a lot more mess uh going on um, that kind of muddied the waters of this game's release. 
Yeah. It was just hilarious. Just Square Enix coming back and just being like, you know, it's a game we recommend with confidence. And it's like, how could you never... Like, I understand, like, it's a game you put out, so you gotta, like, stick by it. But, like, th- that statement is just hilarious. Just because, like, no person on Earth would ever confidently push somebody to play Balan Wonder World or whatever it's called. Um, other than the meme around it. I mean, with the giant farmer and everything. Like, I don't even understand what they're trying to do with that game. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I, re- I want to see... I just really hope that this the whole process didn't sour him too much on game development going forward because i really want to see him i want to see him get his ego moment that we got with bloodstained where like he got to do his own thing um and it wasn't easy for ego to do that you know it took a lot of time and money and resources but he eventually was able to get his own team together and make the vision of what he wanted to do without konami really having a say in anything um and i think you know, I really want Yuji Naka to have his moment where no Square Enix, no Sega, no nobody to tell him what he needs to do and to allow him to kind of just go out there. I really want him to have the opportunity, but obviously he that needs to start with his willingness to do it and just yeah. reading through the subtext of the way he was talking. He does, he does sound pretty, like disgruntled and burnt out mm-hmm. with the game justifiably so like i'm not saying he shouldn't yeah. um but he does not find he doesn't sound particularly enthused about the industry as a whole because that, that's the thing it's like they talk about like um the problems of like the music business or the video game industry um video game business is the fact that it's a business at the end of the day and things get messy and contracts are signed and people get involved and companies are involved and and so unfortunately it's it's not this kind of like soul creative thing like he can do whatever he wants and and kind of see his creative vision come to fruition you know a lot of times there's lots of working parts and people butt heads and personalities and egos get involved and things just get messy so i really that's my main hope is that this situation does not dissuade him from giving it another shot but i I understand he ain't getting any younger and this was probably a very stressful draining thing that it's probably still ongoing because you know like his yeah, like the, the the lawsuit, like you know, who who knows what can happen? You know, we've I I wouldn't be surprised, and not not that I want to put this into the the ecosystem, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Square Enix come with like a cease and desist or a defamation. Like I've seen stuff like that, uh, where you know, like somebody tells the truth, and then suddenly now the company company is like, oh, this is negative PR, and now they want to go crazy. So uh, I really hope that he kind of comes out on the other side in a better place around this, and you know, if if. This was kind of the send off that he ended up getting for the game industry, and that's that's enough for him to want to move on completely. I totally get it, but I'd love to see him give it another shot. Yeah, you know, especially since you know he when he left uh, Sega, they made their own studio, I believe, right? And I believe he co-created a studio. Yeah. So hopefully they they you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see them maybe even go back to Sega uh, or make them i just don't know i don't believe they left on bad terms i don't know that was like in 2006 it was a while ago <laughs> yeah so who, who knows what even happened and there was some some solid stuff that had come out since then but we really don't know what's gonna happen i know they i think he released that mobile game he wanted to release a while ago um but yeah i would just wonder what this uh lawsuit means for that or if he's even contractively allowed to make another game uh without you know sometimes you, you sign contracts like oh your next three games are through square <laughs> and that's not the easiest thing to do when you're suing uh you know in, in the middle of a lawsuit with them so that's unfortunate i hope it comes out the best for everyone i would love to see another maybe small project from him 
um, that isn't that small. I think he right didn't he say he wanted to code a, a text-based game in Japan or something, something like yeah. that, some mobile game. I'd like to see him come back with maybe like a small indie title, um, or or some of the something like that, or even be able to pair up again with Sega and make a twist on something. So unfortunately, but uh, good luck for everyone in that middle of that lawsuit there. Unfortunately. Yeah, and, and I, I'm with you kind of on the Sega thing. I, unless he really wants to do the independent thing, like full, full independent, just full control, do something small scale, that's fine too. Especially, you know, when with, just for his own mental health and, and peace, yeah. maybe that might be a better idea for him. But if he's got the willingness to jump back in the deep end, you know, Sega is not what they were when he left whatsoever. Um, and they, they got uh, a little bit of momentum and rhythm going on right now, and it would be really awesome to see him kind of come back, you know, maybe even tap into something he hasn't tapped into for a long time, like the fantasy stars and stuff like that, yeah. um, which are still semi-active franchises. Um, so it, it doesn't even necessarily, he doesn't need to like jump into the deep end and be like, I'm going to be directing the new, you know, Sonic game. Like it doesn't have to be yeah. something like that, but <laughs> yeah. um, there's lots of franchises that he's touched that he can tap back into. And if, if Sega's good at one thing, it's kind of, and, and maybe they don't always hit when they put things out. But they do keep things from dying. I'll give them that. Like, for all intents and purposes, you would think by now Fantasy Star and Sonic and like that would not be where they're at. But they find ways mm-hmm. to, to keep life in them. And so, yeah, um, absolutely. yeah I'd like to see them reconnect with them. And I, I feel like, you know, enough times elapse. And so long as it wasn't on bad terms, I think that would be a cool um, marriage. Because, again, we're having that kind of 3D platform or resurgence. Um Sega's in in a decent spot right now. They're not the best they've ever been, but they're for sure not the worst they've ever been. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd like to see them kind of reconnect and see what they can maybe uh, make up now um, on these newer consoles. But obviously, the the marriage between you know Yuji Naka and, and Square Enix ain't it. So that's not going to work. So um, that, and that's done. So I, I w- wish him nothing but the best. But I think, you know, he's proved himself to be an incredibly talented guy. So I think one way or another, he's going to figure it out. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, they, they always say, like, you know, creators create. So one way or another, whether he's making a game, a story, a book, or whatever, he's probably going to be creating something. And I, and I think, you know, like in many people, many, many creatives create to the day they die. It may not be in the form of, um, what you know their fan base really wants but they're going to be creating something so um so long as he he keeps creating you know i'm happy with it same same i agree cool so we got the last story here and this is something i'm actually really excited about we got uh ryan dinsdale from um ign playstation has created a game preservation team so uh playstation has created a new team focusing on game preservation revealed by a new employee's twitter and linkedin post uh, as spotted by video games chronicle the division will focus on preserving playstation ips to ensure our industry's history isn't forgotten garrett fredley said his new role at senior as senior build uh, engineers one of playstation's initial hires for the newly created preservation team, PlayStation Studios global QA manager Mike Bishop hired Fredley and said in another post, presumably about the same team, that the day-to-day focus is on IP preservation for the business, ensuring that the titles of today are captured, cataloged, and secured for the games industry of tomorrow. With Fredley being an initial hire, the preservation team st- still seems to be in its early stages, but will seemingly focus on ensuring the longevity of PlayStation game that far af- that date as far back as 1994 when the original console was released. And this is literally something that you and I have been talking about for the longest now time now where, yeah, the the, you know, certain companies do better than others. But overall, the industry itself has done a piss poor job of really cataloging 
things and things are lost to time and thankfully there are forces outside the game industry but it's about time that somebody within these companies actually put so, uh, forth a concerted effort because I feel like in many ways um, with dedicated resources nobody can catalog a um, a company's history better than that company themselves they know all the inner workings all the incompleted projects and the small things that people may have been you know forgetting over time and so this is great that playstation's kind of putting uh their best foot forward to kind of try to catalog this this history um that otherwise would have to be done externally um and and it's great that people you know do it externally but i feel like you know having it internal having the extra safety feature i really want to see this done uh by microsoft and nintendo as well um so yeah i'm very very positive about this i think this is a great force and it, it shows enormous foresight and in many ways kind of listening to people that have been talking about this uh, for a while which is like you know hey video games are art and we're not doing our due diligence and protecting that art historically um and and so to see nintendo kind of co-sign or not nintendo see uh see playstation kind of co-sign that and jump into that is a great thing what did you think no yeah i was very excited when i saw this and, and when i heard about the story because it's something we have been talking about it especially now with the old playstation plus uh revamp and the new tiers and they want to promise a lot of back catalog stuff. Um, I hope this means that they work a little bit together. You know, it's like a, I always use an example. You know, to go play the three Resistance games, you have to hook up a PS3. Um, or they might yeah. be on PlayStation now, but that's not really the way to play them. Um, and I know the tiers aren't going to help that either, but maybe this would have started helping this. I, you know, I know some information started to come out about why some of these games, even though Sony still owns the IP, why they're locked to the PS3. Um, due to obviously the cell processing and how each team found a way to surpass that. So to emulate it, you have to emulate each team's way of doing it. Um, and having a team that's way just like more focused on preserving the IP and, and preserving the way that games can be played um, just makes sense, uh, especially in a day where, you know, moving forward, you know, almost every PS4 game works on your PS5. And moving forward in a world we got a PS6, um, I don't. I'd be surprised if PS4, PS5 games didn't work on a PlayStation 6, just because they're made differently. Yeah. Now, obviously, 1994. That's a long time ago. Um, so when they're focusing on some of these IPs that go back to that time, I understand that you had to do what you had to do to make a game back then. Technology was different, scarce, uh, harder to develop for. So having a team to more focus on how that was done and to be able to either recreate it or make it so the game is preserved and not lost in time. There's plenty of games that are lost in time or, and stuck to, you know, more focusing on PlayStation and Nintendo uh, where some of these games are just stuck in these times where you can't do anything about PlayStation it. Home, like the whole ecosystem's gone. Yeah, that whole ecosystem's gone. There's people who spent money and hours and hours of their lives in that game you know that I, I attribute that to the same as if gta online was just shut off yeah um think about the money and the time that the the last almost 10 years people have been playing gta it was just shut off you know playstation home was on the whole life cycle almost of the ps3 um so to be able to again i'm glad that they have a specific team working on it i know uh, mike bishop said you know he's like this is where i started in, um years ago in doing preservation so he's excited to go back and he you know it's it, i know it's in its early stages and we don't know how much uh, they're working with uh what titles and you know what companies and i know sometimes it, again licensing has always been an issue you know think about those playstation one spider-man games um i oh, don't yeah. know any other way to play them um if you don't either have them physically or you emulate them. I just, and I know licensing was a big deal, and I think Spider-Man is a special case because Sony has always been so 
uh, close and home with Marvel for that one IP. Uh, so it's interesting, but it's it's all positive stuff, and I, I want to see more of this. You know, Xbox done has done, especially starting in the Xbox One era, a good job of being able to make these games playable you know they emulated it and they were able to make you download them and they figured a way to do it uh for the most part to see some of these old games you know i think fusion frenzy was when they kept always talking about like that's an old xbox game uh for them to move forward and nintendo has their version of it now with the catalog but even that is very picky um it takes a lot of things uh, a long time to get there um, so it, it is unfortunate that way and, and they are missing huge gaps like the GBA games are lost, uh, you know, lost in time and stuff like that. So, to have a dedicated thing to preserve that and make it easier to continue this forward, uh, it, it's just it's a super smart deal, and I'm very surprised it's taken this long for any of the big guys to do it. Um, but it's really, really exciting to see, um, and hoping to see this really work out well. Yeah, and, and in many ways, kind of to wrap this up is that uh, this is kind of the perfect time for for them to do this because in many ways game preservation has never been more important now because we're in an interesting time where we're kind of having two pillars of gaming's equally vulnerable where we're having all these digital ecosystems that exist that yeah if you shut the servers down they cease existence a lot of games exist like that now um this it's not like once upon a time you have these offline modes some of these games exist like you know like most people don't have Fortnite on disc, for example, and so if you if you turn off the servers at Epic, it, it, like it's gone, like that's it. You're, there's no more Fortnite, um, and so the, the, we're we're talking. That's important in that regard to kind of find a way to capture those digital games uh, that ha are these kind of like um, very present experiences now, not something that is experienced retroactively. It's something you have to be here and now and live for. Um, and then also it's important to note um, that we're at a point now in 2022 where a lot of the oldest games are starting to fail in terms of just hardware issues. Um, you know, we're having on, on the high end, you know, you have like CDs starting to burn out. Um, you have cartridges starting to oxidize and batteries starting to fail. These things just naturally happen with time. Thing, and then physical media cannot last forever. Um, and so we're kind of on two fronts right now. We're like the newest of the new and the oldest of the old. Both really are in need of uh, the, the game industry's protection and, and logging um, for historical reasons. Because, you know, like so once some of these are gone, they're gone. You know what I mean? Like uh, mm -hmm. it's not as simple as like, you know, like there's these so many games that have exist on a, a floppy disk somewhere on somebody's computer somewhere that never to be logged that you know how, who knows how much was lost with time in yep. ways like that because people didn't do their due diligence in backing these files up um so yeah yeah no i'm, I'm really glad this and if anything I, I really think i hope this lights a fire under the the butt of some of these other developers and, and publishers to kind of start doing that for their own games um and and i would love for it to become an industry standard that you know like for every studio that makes games, they also submit their games to some organization, some team, maybe on in their publisher or a larger thing, uh, to have those games logged and, and historically um, put into a system so that they can be accessed for any time in the future. I think that'd be great. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's, it's a thing. It's like uh, someone wants to play every game at one point in their lives. You know, there's people who have never played... Uh, now, I keep using Resistance as an example, but Infamous as well. Go play the original Infamous game right now. You have to have an old an old system, and these PS3s. I mean, I still have mine, and let me tell you, when I have when I have to hook it up, 
it is nerve-wracking because it makes a lot of weird noises. The load times are ridiculous. And it's yeah. like, this is how you want me to experience um, some of these, you know, masterpieces. So it is something that I'm, I I do hope that really, you know, it's like, hey, you have to do this, this, and this so we can preserve the game on our server base, wherever we print them, to have a, a master key of it. You know, uh, infamously this happened. Uh, remember when Square started trying to... Uh, bring forward the Kingdom Hearts games. They're like, yeah, we don't know where oh, the, yeah, the are. source we files are. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we had to kind of go back and recreate some of this stuff and rebuild something we built in 2002 and one. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, you just lost I feel the like game they said that for Crash, too, or something like that. Yeah, there was another one that they were like, yeah, we just lost it. We're like, oh, yeah, we don't know who has it. That's we crazy. Just, some employee that quit who knows how long ago accidentally took it home in a briefcase and has the, yeah. the master key for some of this stuff. Um, and you know you see other companies don't do that you know uh, <laughs> I know some games are easier to do that you know but anytime that uh, like Capcom has brought the Mega Man games forward you know they weren't like oh yeah we had to go rebuild this level because we lost it Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like oh, I'm hoping some of that kind of stuff you know and it was an interesting story when I heard about that uh, for Kingdom Hearts I'm like what do you mean <laughs> you just didn't know who had the, the master key I'm like who doesn't you know, it's just a, it's a while like, you don't have a library uh a digital library where you can go pull these files and do things to them it's 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 a little nuts yeah for sure but uh yeah i'm glad that they they definitely are that's like a huge step in the right direction mm-hmm. and i have to commend playstation for that and uh yeah so that was this uh, the, our show this week we will be back on the 29th and uh we are very close nearing our halfway point of the year so we'll be able to do our games of the year so far. So be sure to keep a lookout for that on our upcoming shows. Uh, we're going to start the preparation for that soon. And so it, it, it'll be really cool. So far, it's been actually a really interesting year in gaming. So I'm, I'm excited to have that um, yeah. discussion for sure because, you know, it's there's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of disappointments, but great things as well. Um, and it's been a really fun year to kind of see these new consoles in their second year and finally get a little bit of momentum uh, to start putting out those releases. Uh, so this has been the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm here with Steve. I hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you guys on the 29th. Bye.